0: Hi, and welcome to our show, Forever Paranormal, with your host, Dr. Bill and Ed, where we will discuss such things as cryptids, UFOs, hauntings, angels, unsolved mysteries, government conspiracies and cover-ups, witchcraft, the metaphysical, and more, as well as stories sent in by you, our listeners. If we can connect a paranormal element to it, we'll talk about it. And you may be surprised by what all is connected to the paranormal. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and share the show, since it would not be possible without you, our listeners. And as a public service, we would like to let everyone know that you are truly never alone, even if you think you are. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988-Just-Reach-Out. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week 's episode, where we will be discussing some of the more common tools used by witches and what they symbolize or are really used for. Hi, Deb. Are you getting used to that new phone yet?
1: Hi um well, I think i 've crossed over to being able to use my new phone and i've turned off and reset the old, so we 're good
0: well, congratulations. <laughs> I want to start off this episode by saying that you will read a hundred different things and ways from a hundred different people on what a witch should use and do or not use and do, what is right or wrong, and so on. Yes, there are some universal rules everyone should follow, like if you put out good intentions, you will receive good back, if you put out evil and bad, you will get evil and bad back in return. If you are new to witchcraft, in my opinion, the worst place you can look for information on the subject are places like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. The best thing you can do is read some old books, or even better yet, learn from experienced witches, even if you plan to be a solitary witch. Witchcraft is a very personal journey, and you will find the tools that you are drawn to. Not everyone uses an altar or all the different tools mentioned here, not even myself. I use what works best for me. Being a witch is your personal journey, not anyone else's. One could easily go broke if they purchased every item you see written that are must-haves according to some people. But remember this. Spirit doesn't care if you bought a $500 custom-made altar or you repurposed an old wooden end table. It's the intention that helps manifest your spells, not the price you paid for the tools. Mm
1: -hmm. For those of us in the room who do not have a doctorate in this field of study, a.k.a. me, could you give a quick explanation of what you mean by putting your intention out there?
0: It's like... Universal consciousness, putting your desires out to the world, out to the universe. It's putting intention out to try to manifest something is the same as a religious person would do prayer. You're speaking to your deities, your higher powers, your higher self to the universe. So that's what's the basic definition of putting your intention out there. Okay. A lot of tools used in worship and spellcrafting are kept on a witch's altar. So let's start with that. An altar is a place where one puts several symbolic and functional items for the purpose of worshiping the god and goddesses of their choice, if any, and casting spells and or saying chants and prayers. Altars are symbolic in many different religions and practices around the world and are not limited to witchcraft. Many religions, churches, fraternities, and civil organizations use them.
1: So it's the same as an altar in a church?
0: Yes, yes. Um, which is altars set up a little bit different for Mm. different purposes, which we'll cover some of that. Uh, Like I said, many different civic organizations and fraternities use an altar. I know in my Mason's Lodge we have an altar where we keep certain things at. Interesting. Altars can be made from many different types of materials, and again, it comes down to personal preference and belief but some some type of natural material always seems to work best. There are many different types of altars that one can set up and use, and you can have more than one altar for different purposes. You can have an ancestral altar to honor your ancestors. You can have an altar to honor specific or multiple deities. You can have a permanent altar, or you can have a portable altar. It's really up to you on which type you may want and how many you want to take care of. An altar can be as fancy as you want it to be, or as plain as you want it to be. It's your choice. Are there some basic items which every witch should have on their altar? Yes. But that also varies by the type of witchcraft you practice. However, here are some of the basics you will find on just about every witch's altar. Candles, incense, an offering bowl or plate, a chalice, an athem crystals, and a place for offerings and usually some type of altar cloth. The altar cloth is another personal choice and may vary depending on the altar type, but it should be something that resonates with you and raises your vibrations. It can be anything from a store-bought print to an old apron. In Wicca, for example, many witches change their altar cloths and altars altogether for the different seasons within that religion.
1: What do you mean by vibrations
0: you have high vibrations low vibrations it's the vibrations is the amount of energy you are putting off into the universe energy creates vibrations so the higher your energy the more positive you are the lower your energy the more negative you are so you want to have higher vibrations now let's take a look at candles candles have a long history in religious worship magic and folklore Candlelight can repel evil spirits by attracting benevolent ones, or vice versa, where they are used to attract malevolent spirits and repel benevolent ones. In liturgy, they are offerings of fidelity to a deity. In magic, candles, both anointed and unanointed, are used in various rituals and spells. Candles are fire and increase energy. You can focus the intent of the spell into the candle as you carve your preferred ruin sigil figure words or names into the wax
1: what is liturgy
0: liturgy is basically a religious group that has gotten together in a common fashion to worship so be like going to a church sermon that, that would be liturgy
1: so what is the purpose of carving
0: carving By putting a sigil or a name or something into the candle is you're putting more intent into that candle to release the energy. Because typically when you do that, you anoint the candle with some type of oil or something, which is done in many different ways. So it puts a powerful vibration and energy out to the universe for what you're trying to use the candle's purpose for. There are many different colors of candles, and choosing a candle is a simple matter of finding the color that is most relative to the matter of the spell itself. When using candles, you may achieve a better result if you choose a specific color for an intended effect. The most basic colors used are white, blue, red, green, orange, yellow, and black.
1: How are the intended effects determined?
0: A lot of it... It has to do with chakras and nature and energies and the colors of the rainbow and for example red is passion and fire blue is water and friendship uh, white is blanco, it's it's nothing, it's plain so you can be used for many different purposes black is darkness or repelling and then we're going to discuss those colors here in just a few minutes Or well, actually, let's just discuss them now okay so white is used for protection purification positive outcomes spirituality peace purity truth cleansing yourself cleansing the home and protection white is also a good all-purpose candle when you need to work a spell and do not have the specific color you would normally use you can always substitute white in its place Blue represents the element of water. It is used for healing, physical ability, harmony, understanding, and friendship. Red represents the element of fire. It is used for passion, heat, sexual potency, assertiveness, competitiveness, strength, vigor, sexual love, attraction, magnetism, energy, courage, binding. Creating or dispelling anger in someone, and creating or dispelling hatred in someone. Green represents the element of earth. It is used for money, health, growth related health, personal growth, to improve finances, grow prosperity, improve employment situations, create or dispel greed, create or dispel envy and jealousy. It's used for luck, fertility, and weather manipulation orange is used for adaptability to sudden changes encouragement strength authority legal matters power attraction luck gambling to promote winning court-related magic success self-expression vitality ambition swiftness of action and courage yellow represents the element of air it is used for communication Confidence, divination, clairvoyance, psychic powers, intelligence, and mental acuity. Black is used for banishing, releasing negative energies, transformation, enlightenment, grounding, protection, complete change, breaking bad habits, healing severe diseases, invisibility, hidden or covert actions, reversing one of your spells or another spell. Hexing and unhexing, and repelling black magic, and for binding.
1: It sounds like some of these colors can be used to create something or get rid of it. Is is that through the intention, as you said?
0: Yes, that would be through the intention of the spell and the magic you're trying to work.
1: Do you, um, do they use these candles? In churches, by specific colors, too? Or other religions, do you know?
0: A lot do, yes. Um, but most of your Christian churches use plain white candles for purity.
1: hmm I'm getting the impression that witchcraft is very similar to other religions. So is it, in fact, a religion? Or how would you... Wicca
0: Wicca is a religion. It's a form of witchcraft. And it was started Gardenian and different forms, which we talked about in our first episode about witches. Mm -hmm. But Wiccan is a religion. A lot of other witchcraft, is not religion. There's a lot of Christians that are witches. Witches are a belief system more than a religion, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it's a lot the same. You can go through the Bible and find many, many types of prophecies and, and prayers, which are spells, and scrying, and reading, and fortune telling. So, yeah, it, it's pretty much the same thing. It goes a lot deeper and it uses a lot of different um, types of occult stuff and this and that And, and cult, the occult is not bad. Some parts of it may be, yeah, depending on how it's used. But the occult takes into account the moon phases, the stars, nature, the wind, fire, weather. uh, Every different thing like that is basically what the occult breaks down to.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: Now, let's take a look at some of the types of smoke cleansing items that can be in the form of incense, sage, rosemary, and wood, or whatever you see suitable for your needs. This is used to cleanse your area, cleanse yourself, or to chase out any unwanted energy or spirit that may be bothering you. The most popular of these items is some type of incense like dragon's blood, frankincense, and myrrh, or white sage in Palo Santo.
1: Sage smells awful to me. Is that used to get rid of something?
0: It's used for cleansing. So, yeah, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) It is used for cleansing. Note, though, that I say smoke cleansing and not smudging. You hear all these people on TikTok, this and that, talking about smudging, smudging, smudging. Smudging is actually a part of a native religion and is sacred to specific cultural practices and has its own spiritual significance. In my opinion, if you're not Native American, you're not smudging. Looking at some of the different items, for example, dragon's blood is burned to dispel negativity, exercise evil supernatural entities, bring love and harmony. Many witches also burn dragon's blood for protection when spellcasting and invoking to increase their magical powers. Dragon's blood can be burnt in the form of the raw material or in an incense. I use both. Frankincense is burned to dispel negativity, purify magical spaces, protect against evil, help in meditation, induce psychic visions, and attract good luck. Myrrh is typically burned with frankincense and for purification, consecration, healing, exorcism, and banishing evil. Myrrh also aids meditation rituals, and was even burned on altars in ancient Egypt.
1: It seems like I've heard stories from the Bible about frankincense and myrrh. I obviously did not pay a lot of attention back then, but I know you are quite religious, so in your opinion, was it used in the same sense back then if the story was based on real events?
0: Well, I want to clarify something first, honey. Mm -hmm. I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. I know a lot of religious stuff, okay? But I would consider myself more spiritual than religious. I don't follow a dictated religion, okay? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's the same thing, and yes, they were used for the same purposes. Um, And today, in church, it is used. Um, The Catholics use it in exorcism. Lutherans and Catholics use it in church services, especially around the holidays and stuff. You'll see these little urns that they have lit and burning, and you know the priest is walking around saying a prayer, and that's what he's got burning there—frankincense and myrrh,
1: hmm.
0: along with their candles on their altar and on in, the walls,
1: in order to uh, not smudge, but just to smoke? make sure
0: everything's pure and clean. Pure, purify, purify. Yes, okay. sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> Sage is burned for protection against all forms of evil and to purify sacred spaces and ritual tools. All your tools should be cleansed before you put them on your altar and use them. It promotes wisdom, attracts money, and aids in healing the body, mind, and soul. If you've ever watched a ghost show on television, you more than likely witness someone burning white sage.
1: Well, if I were an evil entity, I would... Go far away from that stench.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny.
1: <laughs> it's disgusting.
0: But you have to remember, if you're going to smoke, cleanse something, keep a window or door open in the home, that way the evil entity you were trying to banish has a way to leave. Otherwise, they will just stay trapped. Palo Santo is a tree and is native to South America and is a distant cousin of frankincense and myrrh, It is also burned for energy-clearing purposes. It translates into holy wood. It is burned for cleansing and to invite into your own intentions for journaling, meditation, manifesting, cleansing your home, and restoring your energy. Unlike sage, which are used strictly for purification and wiping the slate clean, Palo Santo also infuses its own energy into you
1: in what way
0: it's got a holy power to it if you take a piece of raw unburnt solo palo santo each person has their own smell to it when they smell the the solid piece of wood it brings back a smell in their memory so some people smells like peppermint some people smells almost like cinnamon or some people smells like grandma's Christmas cookies So it brings back an energy in you of good memories and good times. That's how it raises your energy.
1: How is that possible for it to be a different smell to each person?
0: I don't know. But it does.
1: Hmm.
0: It's interesting. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's called Hollywood. (laughs) Okay. (gasps) Maybe. Let's talk about bowls and plates. Bowls can be used in several different ways. You can use it like a plate to hold an offering for a deity, you can use it to hold a liquid for scrying, and it can be used in various ways and rituals to burn things, like almost like a cauldron. I keep a copper bowl on my altar with ohm on it, which I use for offerings to my ancestors. Plates are pretty much the same and can also be used to hold candles that are burnt completely for a spell or intention or to put food offerings on. You just have to remember, once the food offering gets a day or two old, you got to remove it from the altar. It doesn't stay there forever. (laughs) What is scrying? Scrying is when you look into liquid. So you can fill the bowl full of water, or you can fill a plate full of water, or you can look into a mirror or a shiny object. We talked about scrying into a black mirror, where it's like looking into a crystal ball, Same, that's scrying as well. That's when you're looking into the reflection, into the universe, and you're looking to see a return. You're looking to see the future or the past.
1: So looking for an answer to something, some question.
0: Yes, it's a form of divination. Okay. Absolutely, yes, you're looking for an answer. Chalices are just a real fancy name for some type of cup. But in witchcraft, it is typically thought of as a ceremonial goblet used in rituals and spells. It can be used to drink from, or burning items, mixing potions. Again, it can be used for scrying and binding rituals when passed around as a group. Um, you know, a lot of your fraternities, this and that, or a church uses the, the chalice, for communion mm-hmm. with the wine. So I think most churches use little plastic disposal cups now, but in a the day they all used, you know, the chalice filled with wine. They went person to person. And grape juice. Yeah. The atham is another name for a small sword or knife, and you will find it almost all Wiccan altars for sure. And not everybody uses the Athem. But this is only a symbolic tool and not used for sacrifices or bloodletting. The most common use of the atham is to draw your imaginary circle of protection around your altar or area you are working in to create your circle. It can also be used to cut a doorway into that circle if necessary, but doing this is not a really good idea.
1: If the circle is imaginary, what is to stop any and everything from penetrating it?
0: It's only imaginary because you can't see it. You're drawing a circle of energy around it, a circle of protection. So it's in fact a circle of energy. And it's only imaginary in the sense of visibility. The use of crystals is something that everyone uses. And the types and specific uses are so gargantuan that we will not even attempt to try to bring them all over to this episode. Just know that everybody uses crystals. Um, there's a whole, probably a whole episode on that, and it's one that I'm not very educated on. I'm educated enough to use what I use, but not to be any kind of authority on crystals whatsoever.
1: Well, can you explain what you do with the crystals, if sure, that's not sure. too much?
0: Yeah, crystals are used to raise energy. Energy for spell work, energy for protection, energy for healing, energy for luck. They're, Mm. They're used to raise your energy. Okay. There is one last item that all witches should have that I didn't mention earlier, and that is their personal journal and guidebook. I personally call mine a grimoire, as I use it as a journal, a textbook, and encyclopedia of information. It's where spells are written. And herbs and their uses are listed along with items such as the lunar phases and how they relate to magic, etc., and things like that. These can go by many names, like a book of shadows, a book of spells, a spell book, or sometimes even a codex. And many beginner witches think they need to run out to Amazon or a place like that and buy a book of shadows with all these different spells. It's great to have a basis to start with, but you need your own. You need to know what works for you because a spell that works for someone else may not work completely for you and you may have to alter that spell a little bit and that you should keep in your, in your book so you know how you've done it.
1: Is it possible to use a pre-written spell and it creates havoc that can't be undone?
0: I believe everything can be undone. It just takes a lot of work sometimes. But yeah, you can do a spell wrong, and that's why you should understand what you're doing before you try to do these big, giant incantations or, you know, big spells, and and understand what you're doing before you get out there and try to create a new world.
1: And what does the moon have to do with any of it?
0: Well, some of the basics of the moon. The moon... It, it rules a lot of different things on this planet and in the universe. For example, it controls the tides and the waters of this planet. Mm-hmm. We're 66% water. It has to control us somehow, right? It has to have an effect on us because we're mostly water in the human body. Then you have the power of the moon for say you've got a waxing moon. You've got a moon that's going from a new moon to a full moon. That's a waxing moon. That's building energy. So you want to do a an, an spell you want to increase energy during that period of time because you're coming in, you're building new, and it's getting stronger to come to the full moon. Or you look at the waning moon. If you want something to go away, you want to get rid of something, right? You would do that during the waning moon when it's going from the full moon and it's getting smaller and less powerful going down to the new moon. So that's just a couple of the basic ways that the moon has an effect on magic. Hmm.
1: Interesting.
0: Okay? Okay. All right. Well, we're a little longer than normal this time, but that's okay. Well, folks, we're going to bring this episode to a close. Thanks for listening, and until next time, when we discuss a tale yet to be told. Thank you for listening, and remember to like and share the show. We would also appreciate a five-star rating wherever possible to help new listeners find the show. We welcome all questions or comments you may have about this or any other episode, and our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. You can also follow us at foreverparanormal.com, and if you'd like to support us, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash foreverparanormal. The links to these are also in the show notes of this episode.